All the miracles, all the miracles that I've seen God do at Woodland Church, all the miracles I've seen God do in my life, I could never thank him enough. There's so many little miracles that make such a big difference. And there's so many miracles that you just have to say it's God. There have been so many times in my life where I felt like I had no strength to go on and then God would fill me with the strength. And there have been times of failure and pain and problems, but God is always there. The miracles I've seen, I could never thank him enough. And all the miracles we'll see. I believe God wants to do something new and fresh in your life today. And he heals because he loves. And I know that there are those out there that need healing emotionally. Healing from a broken heart. Healing in a broken family. God can do that. God can do that. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me that he can't do a miracle in your life today. I want us to pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you love us so much that we can't even fathom it. And yet, Lord, we go through such pain and and problems and, and difficulties on this imperfect earth. And sometimes it feels like that you don't care about us, that you're not there. And, but I know, Lord, you always are. And as I look back, I can always see that you knew just what you were doing. And on those things that I can't, Lord, I know that I'll understand it one day. But one thing I know for sure, that you are here today. And everyone within the sound of my voice, you are right there with them. And you know what their need is. And you want to bring your healing power into their lives. Lord, you want to do something in their lives that can only be explained by you. And Lord, you want to give us a gift today that the world can't give. A gift today, Lord, that just changes everything, this gift of joy. And I pray you would do that over the next few moments, that you would bring healing to hearts and lives and families and marriages and relationships. Lord, just bring your healing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Today we're kicking off our big fall series, this church-wide adventure we're calling the Joy Challenge. And we're gonna learn to choose joy each day for the next 30 days so we can experience joy for the rest of our lives. Because you were made to live a life of joy. If you're a Christ follower, it's your birthright. Jesus said, I want your joy to be complete. He was saying, I want you to live a life completely filled with joy. Now, maybe you're thinking about that big question already. Can I really experience joy on this earth? Is it really possible in this pain-filled, broken, and messed up world to live a life completely filled with joy? I know that's a question we've all had. I have that question. I mean, sometimes it seems like joy is a thing that Christians are supposed to talk about when we're going through problems but we don't really experience it or know what it's like to feel joy on our difficult days. I think one of the reasons we don't experience the divine gift of joy like God wants us to is because we don't know what it is. We think it's happiness, but it's not. And I want you to see that joy has nothing to do with your personality. Some of you don't realize that because some people just naturally have a positive outlook on life while other people have a temperament that naturally sees the glass half empty. Like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, you know, 
Winnie the Pooh will just bounce up and go, good morning, Eeyore. And Eeyore will say, good morning, Pooh Bear. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. And some of you are Eeyores. Some of you are married to Eeyores. God bless you. Some of you just have this Eeyore personality where it's really easy for you to see all the bad things that life brings. And it's hard for you to see the good things. Now, your temperament might make it a little harder for you to experience joy. But when you discover the secret, your joy will be greater than others. And some of you are on the other end of the spectrum. You have the Tigger temperament, where you just bounce through life as the life of the party, like Tigger. Some of you have this Tigger temperament. You're just naturally super positive. And it seems like all the time. Now, if you're not a Tigger, Tiggers can really annoy you. It looks like they don't have a care in the world, and you think, doesn't anything go wrong for them? I start thinking, I wonder if he'd be so happy if he had my problems. Now, most of us have a temperament somewhere in the middle between Eeyore and Tigger, and some of you right now are experiencing life way below that Eeyore temperament because you're going through such unimaginable grief that it takes everything you've got just to get up in the morning and face another day. And the joy you can have in the tears won't take away the grief and the pain, but it can hold you up as you go through the healing process. Or maybe you're experiencing a deep depression because of a chemical imbalance. Mental illness hits Christian families just like it hits non-Christian families, and it's easy to see physical disabilities but many times we ignore mental illness, but it's just as real. And I wanna to say to those of you who are in the depths of mental illness and depression, and nothing seems to be working, and it feels impossible to even think about joy, God is a tender word for you. He understands the overwhelming pain that you're experiencing, even if no one else sees and no one else knows. And he knows that it feels impossible right now to choose joy. But he wants today to gently encourage you to not give up because there is a genuine and real hope for joy for you. Even in the middle of your despair, God can bring joy. Wherever you are on this continuum, I want you to know joy has nothing to do with your personality and it has nothing to do with your problems. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness depends on what's happening in your life. And if everything that's happening in your circumstances is perfect, then you're happy. And we all know what it feels like to experience happiness when everything is going in the right direction. Those moments that don't come around all the time, so we should celebrate them. But what about those moments, and there are lots of them, when everything in your life seems to be going in the wrong direction? those moments where your dreams are just shattered, or those times when your heart is broken by betrayal or devastated by grief. I'm talking about those moments when happiness is completely impossible, those moments when happiness just seems ridiculous. Unfortunately, life is filled with those moments, those seasons, those months, those years. That's why happiness doesn't hold up in our broken world. And that's why we need a divine gift that sorrows can't steal away, the divine gift of joy. I want you to open your Bibles to James chapter one. 
And would you stand in honor of God's word and just follow along with me. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You can be seated. James is saying, consider it pure joy when you face all kinds of trials. And I wanna say, James, are you kidding? I'm supposed to jump up and down and give high fives when problems and pain and heartache come my way? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that joy is not a feeling. It's not the feeling of happiness when something that happens to you is amazing and wonderful. No, he's not saying jump up and down and slap high fives and have the feeling of happiness when you have real problems that hit. He's saying how to experience this divine, sustaining gift of joy. What is joy all about? How do I find this joy? Well, it's found in those two words that start out this passage. Focus in on it. Consider it. Consider it. That means I can choose it. Joy is something you can choose or not choose. And the most important thing I'm gonna ever say in this series, that if you miss this right now, you'll miss out on joy. If you don't get this forward sentence, nothing else we say in this series will matter. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. The level of joy you experience in your life is determined by you. Not by anyone else, what they do or don't do. Because joy can't be controlled by another human being. Joy cannot be derailed by your problems or the pain or the suffering you endure. Joy is not dependent on your circumstances. And the sooner you realize this, the sooner you'll start living a life of joy, that joy is a choice, that you are in control of. It's a divine gift from God that he gives you within, that wells up in your life. That divine gift is available to every Christ follower. But you have to choose it. You have to learn to choose joy. It's not a feeling. It's a focus. When you begin to focus on joy, God even begins changing your brain and your way of thinking about life. It gives you perspective, and then that divine gift starts welling up in your soul. And once you find the secret of joy, you'll never go back to happiness again because you'll realize you can have joy no matter what. It's such a powerful gift of God. But if you don't realize the level of joy you experience, it's totally up to you. You'll never have joy. It's a feeling. It's not a feeling, it's a focus. Now, some problems aren't that hard to choose joy. Some problems that come into our lives, you know, it's just not that difficult. You know, some of these little problems that we can choose joy. Alexander's the um, Chief Justice of the South Carolina Court of Appeals uh, was invited to speak at the commencement of the University of South Carolina when his daughter Zoe was graduating. And he told the story about when Zoe was three years old, 
He came home one day and there was a family crisis that his daughter Zoe was just crying her eyes out, totally hysterical. And Sandra's wife said, "Um, her turtle died and you gotta deal with this one. And he said, as a dad, my first impulse was to fix it because you wanna fix everything for your kids. So he said, Zoe, I'm so sorry. I can take you to the pet store right now. We can get you a new turtle. She was not having it. She said, it's not the same turtle. And then he said, well, I tell you what, let's have a funeral service for your turtle. She said, what's that? And he said, well, it's a celebration of your turtle's life. It's kind of like a birthday party. We'll have cake. We'll have lemonade, um, we'll have balloons, present, we'll just celebrate. And Zoe's eyes started to dry up and a big smile of excitement came across her face. And then something utterly unforeseen happened. The turtle started to move. It wasn't dead after all, within seconds, it was crawling around and Sanders said, I was so stunned, I didn't know what to say, but three-year-old Zoe looked right at her father and said, let's kill it, Daddy. <laughs> you, you see, some problems that come into our lives, it's pretty easy to choose joy. Kill it. It's pretty easy, you know? I mean, but then there are those real struggles, and you know what I'm talking about those real struggles, those overwhelming problems that just dominate your thoughts, real pain, real grief, that you start to ask, can I really choose joy in this? I don't feel joyful. I am so down and in despair, and everything looks hard and difficult, and I just wanna hide because I'm hurting so bad. Can I really choose joy? We're gonna look at the prophet Elijah today and how God tenderly led him to choose joy in the middle of his despair. Let me give you some background. Elijah had just come off a mountaintop experience where God told him to call all of Israel to Mount Carmel for a battle between the prophets of the idol Baal and the one true God. You see, Israel had turned away from worshiping God. That sort of mixed worshiping the one true God with worshiping the idol Baal, which was the idol worshiped by the nations around them. They'd let that soak into their lives and the culture had conformed them into this idol worship. And so Elijah called them all together and he said, you build an altar, prophets of Baal, I'll build an altar and whosoever God answers by fire, he is the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal begin to pray to their God. They even cut themselves to get their God's attention, which shows me that It was really Satan, the enemy, because all he wants for us is harm, and nothing happened. And then Elijah gets up there, and he prays to the one true God, and God sends fire from heaven. And the fire falls and consumes the whole altar. The people are astonished. And some of the people start turning back to God, and the prophets of Baal are killed. It was a huge victory. But Elijah didn't have time to celebrate it because the wicked queen Jezebel sent a note to him that you killed my prophets. Within 24 hours, I guarantee you, you're gonna be dead. She put out a hit on Elijah and fear began to steal his joy. 
He ran in fear as far away from Jezebel as he could run until he was physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, and then he just sinks into despair and he says, God, I'm done. I just want to die. I mean, it's awful. I can't do this anymore. It's just problem after problem. And now, I mean, this wicked queen, she's going to win the victory. And I mean, whenever she puts out a hit on someone, it comes true. And I mean, God, you don't understand. I'm just done. I'm out of here. And then he finds a cave and he withdraws into the cave. And whenever pain comes into your life, despair, depression, overwhelming problems, one of our natural tendencies is just to hide away. Just don't want to be around anyone. And that's just the worst thing you can really do. But we just don't feel like being around anyone. We just want to hide away, sink into the floor, and just disappear. But look what God does. Look what God says in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and they've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword and I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahalah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. In this passage, we see three choices that God tenderly leads Elijah to make to choose joy in the middle of his despair. First, I've got to choose to believe God loves me and is in control. I've got to choose to believe, whether I feel it or not, that God loves me and he's in control of the details of my life. In 1 Kings 19, 11, it says, then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by. Now focus on the phrase, attention before God. You see, God got Elijah's attention in his despair. It was Elijah's despair It was Elijah's depression, it was Elijah's hardship that got his attention onto God. And God uses our struggles to get our attention. They make us stop and realize that happiness is too flimsy to hold us when real pain comes into our lives. And the ironic thing is, it's our unhappiness that points us to the gift of joy. If it wasn't for this nagging unhappiness, then we would never look to God and find the divine gift of joy. God also wanted Elijah's attention so he could remind him that he was still in control. You see, whenever you're trying to control things that you were never made to control, you'll never have joy. 
Whenever you're trying to control things that you were never intended to control, you're trying to play God and you're trying to control things, your circumstance. What you're trying to do is achieve happiness and happiness is illusion that's just always out of your reach. And whenever you're trying to control your circumstances, other people, your pain, your image, whatever it may be, your problems, then you're not gonna find joy because you're reaching for happiness. You wanna control your circumstances to make them perfect and so, God was reminding Elijah that most of life was out of his control, but he could surrender back to the God who is in control, God who's still on his throne. In 1 Kings 19, 11, it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So God didn't speak to Elijah through the hurricane force wind but he used it to get his attention. And sometimes the hurricane force winds of change blow into our lives and they just slam us and they shatter all our sense of security and all the things that we've been trusting in don't seem so trustworthy anymore. And it points us to joy. Those winds of change that we can't control make us realize that we're not in control. And God showed Elijah, don't forget, I'm even in control of the wind. Maybe the winds of change are battering your life right now. And it makes you understand that you're not really in control. Just point to God. Just look to God. Focus on God and not your feelings because God's still in control even if everything seems totally out of control in your circumstances, even if it feels like your life is spinning out of control, even when you look at this world and you see, man, things are crazy. Just know God is still in control, whether you can see it or not. God still has a plan, and it's all moving to his crescendo of all history when he will return to take you home with him and rule and reign forever because God's still in control. It looks like everything's out of control, but no. No human being can derail God's plan and God's purpose for all time that he has set up. And no human being can derail God's purpose for your life. God is still in control of all the details of your life, whether you can see it or not. But we have to choose that, to know that God is in control. But then it says in the next part of verse 11, after the wind and earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. So after the wind, the earth starts shaking. This huge earthquake hits. And God didn't speak to Elijah through the earthquake, but the earthquake reminded Elijah of how powerful God is, that God's the only source of joy. God is the only one who can really meet your needs. And when the ground starts cracking beneath me and all the things that I'm trusting in are faulty and start crumbling all around me, it turns me to the only one who can keep me strong. It reminds me that happiness can't hold me on this broken earth. And it turns me to joy, and I can only find that through the source of joy, God Almighty. God uses our struggles to shake us free from the illusion of happiness. Because when we're hit with those deep struggles and problems and pain, we realize that happiness is not possible. And it turns us to God, and in the pain, in the tears, we can experience joy. Look at verse 12, it says, and after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. So God didn't speak to Elijah through the flames, but he used them to get his attention. And it's when the flames of failure 
just burn up all that we've been trusting in and we're just there in the ashes of our own mistakes and the flame of failure has burned up our pride that we can surrender to God and his control and then experience joy. So God uses the pain to turn us to him so that we can experience joy in our life. So I've gotta choose to believe that God is in control but also I've gotta choose to believe that he loves me that God loves me and he's in control of every detail of my life, whether I see it or not. In verse 12, it says, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. God didn't speak to Elijah through the hurricane or the earthquake or the fire. He speaks to him in a gentle, loving whisper. Now, when you whisper, you have to be close to someone for them to hear you. God moved close to Elijah. The God of the universe who created it all moves close to Elijah and gently and lovingly whispers to him. He whispers to him, you matter to me. I love you. I care about you. I'm here with you in your pain and what you're going. I'm here with you in the cave of despair. I mean, Elijah should have never been in that cave of despair. He's the prophet of almighty God, and yet God says, I'm gonna go to the depths of hell wherever you go, and I'm gonna be right in there with you, with your pain, and I'm gonna remind you that I love you, and I will never stop loving you. In verse 13, it says, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah didn't come out of the cave when he saw a demonstration of God's power. He came out of the cave when he heard the gentle, loving whisper of God. That drew him out of the cave, and it's it's God's love that draws us out of the cave of despair. I can just see him, after all the earthquake and the fire and the wind that tore the mountain, he hears the gentle whisper, and he comes out. He's kind of trembling a little bit, but it's like, God, you love me? God, you're all powerful and you could destroy me in an instant. You could take away my breath. You could take away my next heartbeat, but God, you love me? And every one of us have this great desire for God to know us and to experience and feel God's love. And God knows you completely, but you don't feel known until you come out of the cave and let him love on you. And so it was this gentle, loving whisper that draws Elijah out of the cave He realizes God is powerful, but this God who's powerful and can control everything cares about me. And I want you to know, if you're in pain today, God is close to you, and the greater your hurt, the closer he is. You need to hear that today. If you're going through heartache and problems that overwhelm you, God is right there with you in the pain. We usually don't think about the fact that God hurts so deeply. Here's God, he doesn't need us as human beings. I mean, he's got everything he needs. He's totally complete. He's God. And yet, he created us to love us. You see, the Bible says God is love. Not that he loves, but that he is love. That's who God is. And so, he had no one to pour his love out on. And he created you to love you. He wants you to love him back, but he gives you that choice because love's not love unless you have the the power to choose love or to reject it. And so, but God made you to love you, and he wants you to experience that love. He he wants you to 
feel the love of God, but most of us, we don't feel known by God. We run from God, we hide from God because of our shame, because we know how powerful God is and we know that God hates sin. But what we don't realize is if we just walk out of the cave with our shame and we come to the cross, we get total forgiveness. When we run from God, and, and in our shame, act like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm as good as most people. Most people do the things that I've done. And, or we think I'm so bad, I could never be forgiven. We go into our cave either way. And God says, you've got to come out of the cave with your shame and bring it to me. I'm sure Elijah felt so much shame. Here he was running. Running from God, the prophet of God. Or running from this one woman who threatened him. The prophet of God running and then going into the cave and God draws him out of the cave because he thinks, I need your love. And I just wanna encourage those of you who are in a cave of despair today, just come out of the cave a little bit, the cave of shame today. Come out of the cave a little bit because God in his gentle loving whisper is saying, come to me, come to me. You're gonna find love. You're gonna find forgiveness. But if you run from it, it's a flight from grace. Don't run from God, just come to him. Don't say, God, I, I'm, I'm okay, I'm not that bad, but I need a little forgiveness. Just come to him in all your wretchedness. Come to him with all your shame, all your sins, all the gross things and the mess in your life. And just come to him because he loves you. Step out of the cave of despair for just a moment and let God love you. So Elijah comes out. And I just wanna remind you again, the first thing is you gotta to choose to believe God loves you and he's in control of the details of your life, whether you feel it or not. But then secondly, choose to trust God that ultimately everything is going to be all right, whether you see it or not. God tells Elijah, I know it doesn't look like it right now, but everything is going to be all right. It's all working according to my plan. You can't see it right now. And some of you hearing me today, you need to hear that more than anything else. God say to you, hey, ultimately, everything's gonna be all right. Everything looks all wrong right now, I get that but everything's going to be all right. And we don't think about God hurts for us. God cares about us. Even though he knows everything's gonna be all right, he still weeps for you and it just breaks his heart when your heart is broken. The God of the universe, it hurts him. But he knows everything's gonna be all right and it still hurts him. But he says to you today, I know it looks all wrong that everything in your life right now looks all wrong, but ultimately everything's going to be all right. Maybe you needed to hear that today from God. That's what he tells Elijah. If you're a Christ follower, your struggles won't last, but you will for all eternity. Your struggles, your problems aren't gonna last. Everything's gonna be all right. And so many times on this earth, we see it, that God works everything for good, and we look back on our lives and go, wow, Praise God for the pain because if it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't be in my purpose. I've talked to so many people who said, if I hadn't lost my job 10 years ago, I would have never gone into the purpose God had for me. I would have never started that new business that God is blessing. You know, if I hadn't gone through that relational breakup, I wouldn't have found the one that God had for me. At the time, it was the worst thing ever. I fell into a depression. I've, I've talked to so many people who've said, the worst thing that ever happened to me was really the best thing and now I see it. But there are some struggles and some losses and some painful things that come into our lives we'll never understand until we get to heaven. We won't see that it's all right here on this earth, but in heaven, 
all that is wrong will be made all right. Everything wrong will become untrue in heaven. And we'll see that ultimately everything's going to be all right. Your struggles won't last, but you will. I know that some struggles and wounds and some losses you'll never get over on this earth, but you will get through it with God's power. Maybe you need to hear that. You don't feel like you're going to get through it. You may never get over it. It'll always be with you on this earth. You'll always feel it. You'll always grieve, but you will get through it with God's power. So I've got to choose to believe that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And God whispers in love to Elijah this very principle, and he says it in three ways. He whispers to Elijah, I'm not finished with you yet. I still have a plan and a purpose. In verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. What was he saying? Get back in the game. Go back the way you came and get back in the game. I'm not finished with you yet. You just say, I just want to die. I'm in the cave. But God says, I still have a purpose for your life. I'm not finished with you yet. I still have a plan. And maybe you feel like God is finished with you. Because of your failures, God's put you on the shelf. He can never use you again. If you're breathing, God's not finished with you yet. He's in control of your every breath. And so if your heart is still beating, God is not finished with you yet. He still has a purpose. He still has a plan. And he wants you to know that. Get back in the game. Make sure you're at church, at worship, connected with others. Make sure that you're looking to God and you're looking for what God has for you because he's not finished with you yet. Your greatest pain can be your greatest purpose. But you've got to believe what God says, that ultimately everything's going to be all right. He's going to use all of it and bring it together and work good out of it, even the bad. And then he says in that gentle whisper, Elijah, you're not alone in your pain. You see, Elijah began to gripe to God again. He said, God, you don't understand. I mean, you know, everything is bad in my life. I'm the only one left that's praising you. I'm the only one left that loves you. And I've been working so hard for you. No one else cares, God. In fact, they've killed all your prophets. I'm the only one left. I am all alone. Now, God doesn't condemn Elijah. I love that. He doesn't condemn Elijah and say, what are you doing in this cave? I mean, you represent me. You're giving me a bad name. I'm ashamed of you. I mean, you're the prophet of almighty God, and you're running away from this one woman who threatened you. Haven't you seen all the miracles I've done for you? Get with it, man. Come on. Don't act like a little kid. Get out of that cave. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't condemn him. All he does is ask a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And God will do that in my life so many times. He'll ask, what are you doing here, Carrie? I made you for more than this. And it causes me to think and to realize, wow, I am in this place that I've chosen for myself. I am here. And I'm here because I chose it. So Elijah began to realize why he was in that place and what was he doing in that place because God had a plan for him. And God says, you're not alone. He said, there are over 7,000 prophets I have, not including all the people who love me and are sold out and on fire from me. You're wrong. You're not the only one. There's 7,000 others. And one of the biggest lies that the enemy will tell you, you're the only one who's going through this pain. You're the only one who's experienced something so devastating as this. You're, the only, you're all alone. And nothing could be further from the truth. It's a lie from the pit of hell. 
You start thinking, I'm all alone. No, you're not. God is with you. He'll never leave you. And I tell you, there's so many others going through the same thing or have been through the same thing. And you need to be connected. He was saying, Elijah, get back in the game and get back connected. Get connected again with the people of God. And there's no way you can experience joy unless you connect with others. That's why this joy challenge is all about life groups, these joy challenge life groups, because if you're not connected in relationship, you really can't experience joy because God made you for relationship and you learn about joy mostly through relationship. Not just from looking at God's word and God has made it for some reason, it's not just about looking to God, we need others around us to help us look to God and to experience joy. We need to see others trying to choose joy in their pain, and so we want everyone to be in a life group. All of our life groups are going through the Joy Challenge. And if you're not in a life group, you need to join a Joy Challenge life group. They'll they'll get started this week and next week, but we will put you in a life group with your age and stage or in your neighborhood. You can host a life group, just invite a few friends over and we'll send you some more, and it's just one night a week for five weeks. Some start this week, some start next week, But we want everyone to come here every weekend for these five weekends at church where we really break down joy. And then in your life group, all you have to do is just download the 10 minute video that Chris and I will be doing and just watch the video and we give you the questions, ask some questions, have some refreshments, have some fun, get to know some people that are going through things that you're going through. You've got to get connected. It's a great day to get connected. We want everyone, before we really get this thing started, to get connected because it's all about Joy Challenge Life Groups. And I I want you to see that we gave you this little thing coming in. If you're not in a life group, just put all the information there and turn it in as you walk out. Give it to a pastor as you walk out and we'll get you connected. We'll call you this week, we'll contact you this week, and we'll send you to a a life group that's in your neighborhood or going through the same age and stage. If you're a young couple with preschoolers, we'll try to get you with a a group like that. If you got grade schoolers, we get you with a group like that. Teenagers, empty nesters, if you're a single adult, if you wanna be in a men's group, we got a lot of those. Women's groups, we got a lot of those. And by the way, the women's Bible study that my wife Chris is gonna teach is starting September 22nd on Thursday morning at 9.30. We got childcare available, but you gotta sign up to get the childcare. And then the next week at Atascacita, we're starting it. Thursday, September 29th, it's gonna be amazing. We want everyone to get connected in these groups in some way. And then we got the men's Bible study that'll be starting in October. It's gonna be amazing what God's doing. So I want you to go to the website right now and I wanna show you how to sign up. Either sign up this way or you can go here and you can click on host a Joy Challenge Life Group or join a Joy Challenge Life Group or you can click on the women's Bible study or a couple of them and we will get you connected. But you gotta be connected to really grow or you're missing out on God's will for your life. So I've gotta choose to trust that ultimately everything's going to be all right and that I'm not alone. Choose to believe God loves me and he's in control of all the details of my life. Choose to trust that ultimately everything's going to be all right, and thirdly, choose to praise God in all things. We're gonna start practicing this one this week. Choose to praise God in all things. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He's saying, 
everything that comes into your life, practice praising God. Now, he doesn't say praise God for all things. He says praise God in all things. And so this week, when pain or problems hit you, whatever you're going through, just say, God, I praise you in this circumstance because you know what you're doing and you love me. I don't feel it right now, God. It feels like you're a million miles away, but I'm gonna choose to praise you. Something starts happening in your soul, in your brain, in your spirit, and you begin over time, if you keep practicing this, and you go to God, you can go to God and tell him how angry you are about what's going on, how you hate this. As long as it's God, not everybody else. God says, I love that, bring it on. But then you turn and you say, but God, I'm gonna choose to praise you in this because I know somehow everything's gonna be all right. I know somehow that you're still in control even though it looks like everything's out of control. I choose to praise you in this. It's a choice that's not a feeling, it's a focus. And if you get in the habit of every time problems come your way, whatever you're going through every day, you say, God, I choose to praise you in this. Whether you feel like it or not, you're gonna see over a few days, changes start happening in your life. You get just a little glimpse of joy and more joy. And we're gonna get really practical in this series. I want you to memorize this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, meditate on it. It begins to change your brain and your heart. But I know some of you today have struggles that are so great, it's like this cloud that just hangs over you all the time. It's not a problem coming into your life, it's just something that's always there. Deep grief, this deep hurt, overwhelming problems and pain that just seem to always be there. And I just want you to know, if you'll just choose to praise God in the middle of it, you don't have to feel like it. You can gripe to God, You can yell at God, but then take a turn and say, but God, I choose to praise you in this. Don't feel it, but I'll focus on it. You start practicing that habit, and you'll realize that the level of joy you have in your life is totally dependent on you. It's God's gift, and you can access it. You can choose it or not choose it. It's up to you. Don't you say it's their fault. Don't you say it's my circumstances' fault. There's no human being big enough to steal your joy. There is no problem so great that it can steal your joy. You can choose it. You may not feel it yet, but you can choose it, and we start choosing it today. Today is the day that we start choosing it, that so many are gonna look back and say, you know what, that was the day I started experiencing joy, and I'll never be the same. Today is the day we start choosing joy, we practice joy. You wanna learn something, you gotta practice it. We're gonna practice joy, we're gonna choose joy for the next 30 days, and it's gonna change the rest of our lives. Do you believe that, Woodland Church? Let's stand together, I want us to pray. Because I believe God also brings joy when he works in our lives. He loves to see his kids experience his gifts. He's gonna be so excited, he's so excited to see you experience joy, but he wants you to experience him caring about you and loving you, and I think that's the real thing I want you to see. When you're going through heartache, God's right there with you. Maybe you don't feel it. Maybe it seems like God is nowhere around, but I'm telling you, one day you'll realize not for one second were you forsaken by God. If you're a Christ follower, whatever you go through, he'll go through it with you. And he will gently and lovingly whisper, come out of that cave so I can love on you. Come out of that cave so I can hold you. Stop trying to find happiness because it'll never hold you up in hard times, but you come to me and I'll hold you in this broken world. 
I will hold you. I'll always be there with you. He gently whispers today, I love you, you matter to me. I care about what you're going through. I understand if no one else does. I weep with you, I hurt with you. God cares about everything you're going through and he's in control of all the details of your life. And secondly, ultimately everything's gonna be all right. Thirdly, we're gonna choose to praise him in all things. And we're gonna see God work in our lives. I believe God wants to heal, God wants to strengthen, but he does it through his presence. And so let's just claim his presence right now. We're gonna see that not for one moment will we ever be forsaken. God is right there. Those of you worshiping online, God's right there with you. He knows what you're going through. He's gonna go through it with you. He knows your needs. He answers our prayers before we even pray them many times, he says, because he knows what we need. And so I'm just praying for God to bring healing right to the most broken places of your life, to start the healing. Let the healing begin today as we choose joy. It's all from God. We can't earn it or deserve it, but let it begin today. And so I just want you to think today and focus on the fact that God's right there with you, that he hurts with you, and he has the power to meet your needs. Do you believe that, Woodland Church? Let's thank God for it, and let's sing to him, because not for one moment will you ever be forsaken by our loving God. He loves you. You're the one he loves. 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 You're the one he loves perfectly. And he invites you out of that cave into his loving arms. That's the God we serve. Not for one moment will you ever be forsaken when Christ is in your life. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.